Good morning. It's good to be here once again. And uh, uh, every time I come, it gets a little nicer, a little warmer. So that may not be a cause and effect thing, or it may be. You know, you can decide. Yeah. Um, It's good to be here. I'm Doug McClintock. I work for the Regional Synod of the Great Lakes of the Reformed Church in America, and uh, my role is uh, to uh, oversee new church starts and uh, to prepare our churches and our congregations for multiplication. And uh, uh, before we go into the scripture, I'd like to just give a little prayer request. If you would be willing to do this, um, to pray for three of our church planters who in this year are going to be launching uh, their first worship services uh, for Ben and for Ron and for Nate. If you'd be willing to do that sometime this week, if you just lift up a hand and and let me know that you'd be willing to say a prayer uh, for those three. Uh, Thank you. That's a great blessing. Today we're going to come to the Lord's table and we go back to the origin story of uh, our practice as Christians uh, at the table. Uh, In Mark chapter 14, uh, verses 12 through 26. Mark 14, 12 through 26. If you will uh, listen uh, to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened. And one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, this is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. 
This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come before you today. We come blessing you and praising you as we gather at your table of mercy and grace. And Lord, as we think of your invitation to us, we pray that this time together would transform our lives, that we would have confidence, that we would be filled with contentment, that we would see our character change, that we would be committed to compassionate witness throughout the world. Oh Lord, hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Words are powerful, life-changing things, aren't they? We know this because of uh, the great wisdom literature uh, of our day, uh, Disney films, right? And uh, you know the line in Mary Poppins, you'd better say it carefully or it could change your life. One day I said it to me girl and now me girl's me wife. Right, and we know all, we know that word. What is it? Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Some of you can say it backwards, right? That's going a bit too far. Even ordinary words and phrases can change your life. I do can change your life. Honey, we're having a baby. Can change your life. Congratulations, you've been selected. I don't know if that changes your life so much. Today I want us to think about four words, four life-changing words that are the center of the, the communion meal that Jesus shared with us. I spent the week meditating on these words and reading about them in Henry Nouwen's book on spirituality, The Life of the Beloved. If you want to take a look at that, it's a worthy read. And these four words are drawn from Jesus' actions as he instituted the Lord's Supper. These words have the potential to change our way of thinking about life and what it means to be a Christian, what it means to serve in the body of Christ as bread for the world. And these four words are this, taken, blessed, broken, and given. Let's talk about these each in order. Taken. The Lord Jesus took bread. He picked the bread up. He selected a piece of bread. Jesus has taken us to himself. That's really the essence of the Christian life. 
is not that we chose him, but that he chose us, that he drew us to himself, that he found us when we were lost, that he came to us and selected us out of all of humanity to be his children. We have been chosen by God. And we're not going to talk about all of the doctrinal uh, implications and, and, and the different controversies about what that means. We're going to talk about what the comfort that it brings today. We've been chosen by God to receive Jesus Christ by faith, to receive his love and his salvation. When Jesus took the bread, he took up his cross and he took us to himself as his own beloved children. And this knowledge can change our life. When we've been chosen, it changes the way we behave. Now, I went to uh, Mount Pleasant High School and I was very short in high school. I didn't grow until the really the year between my senior year and my freshman year in college. And so uh, athletic uh, games uh, were a little different for me. I would be picked at the top of the order, right, when we were choosing up sides for field hockey, right? I was short and determined and a little bit crazy, and they knew that, that I, could, I could perform well there. And so I'd be picked at the top of the order. But when it came to basketball, it would be like, well, would you, you'd get to the end and they'd say, would you take Doug, right? You can have more players, right? You know, if you'll just take him, that'd be good, right? I mean, I was not chosen in basketball. Now, think about that. Which sport do I have more confidence in at that time, right? Which am I going to perform better at? Which am I more interested in, right? Because I've been selected. I've been brought. I've been, I've been put to the front of the line. And we, when we realize that that is true of us, that we've been chosen by God because of his unconditional love for humanity, his unconditional love for us, not because of how good we are, but because of how good he is, then we can live lives of confidence. Confident in God's love. Confident that if we believe, we will have eternal life. Confident that if he chose us to be his child, we have the resources. We have the ability. We can muster the will to be His obedient children as well. When, we've been, when we realize we've been taken into God's family, chosen, brought into God's family through Jesus Christ, through His death on the cross, we have confidence before the throne of grace. We have confidence in prayer. We have assertiveness in worship. We have power to live with one another without fear. We're taken by God. 
The next word is blessed. In some versions, English versions, it says he took bread and he blessed it. He gave thanks for it. We say when we take bread to ourselves, when we take a meal, sometimes we say, can I say the blessing? This is what he was doing. Jesus was blessed and Jesus blesses us. When Jesus blessed the bread, he was giving thanks for the Father's blessings upon himself, upon his ministry, and upon his people, the people who would be united with him, the people who would be drawn to him. When we realize our blessings, when we realize that we have been blessed of Jesus, blessed of God, it changes our life into a life of contentment. When we realize we've been chosen and blessed, we can live life without striving, without trying to achieve happiness on our own. We can live contented lives. Content that God has given us his true blessings. Content that what God has given us is more than enough. That his grace is more than enough. And then any blessing that he gives to us besides this is more than enough for us. This is really hard for us. It's hard for me. We are taught in our culture to strive, to consume, to push for more, to need more, to, to, to want more, to strive for more. And Jesus says, you're blessed. You have everything you need. You have everything you need when you have me. That is the blessing that he gives to us in the supper. The third word is the word broken. Jesus took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And this shows us symbolically that Jesus was broken for us. And we as followers of Jesus still experience brokenness. When Jesus broke the bread, he knew that he would be broken on the cross as the cure ultimately for our brokenness. But he also drew us in and drew us all into his brokenness. In fact, it might be said that in order to give us for the life of the world, in order to truly use us, Jesus has to break us in some ways. And this can change your life. We know that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces hope, and hope produces character. when we realize that we've been taken and blessed and broken to God's purposes, we're free to live out of that kind of life and character. You see, our relationship with God, not our own comfort, not our own health, not our own circumstances, becomes the bottom line for us. 
And many times it takes those broken places for us to see that he is sufficient for us. I want to take you back to a sunny, very cold March morning in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Over 24 years ago, my wife Diane, who's here with me, we had arrived at uh, a psychologist's office with an army of consultants around us to hear their conclusion about our son, Stephen. We suspected for months and months that Stephen would be a person with a severe uh, case of autism. And that was confirmed in this meeting. It was that moment where I felt something break inside. I knew that things would never be the same. That my dreams and my hopes and my thoughts about what the blessed life would be would be different. And it certainly has been different than I ever imagined. We could tell some stories. Most of them are a little hair-raising. But what we found throughout that is that we had to go back deeply into who Jesus was and who Jesus is for us. That his grace had to be enough for us. And God has used that piece of brokenness in our lives. There are people that we never would have met, that have never would have heard the gospel, that never would have been involved in the life of the church had this not happened. There would be things in our daughter's life, in our lives, in our character, in, our, in just the way that we live and converse that would be completely different. And I'm not sure that they would be better. Was brokenness a gift from God? I don't think so. I think the fall is the fall but he uses our brokenness. He takes us and he blesses us and he breaks us so that he can do this last thing. He can give us. Taken, blessed, broken, and given. He gave the bread. Jesus was given by the Father as a sacrifice to cover the guilt of all who would believe. And we as followers of Jesus are to be given for the life of the world. We are not followers of Jesus in order to receive the gift of eternal life and then go into a sort of waiting room until we get on the plane to heaven, right? And some of us, and I think this is one of the sort of difficult parts of being the church, 
Some of us believe that's what we're doing. Now think about it. Would you actually choose to spend your life in a waiting room? Anybody? Would you choose to sit in those chairs waiting at the airport or those torture chamber chairs at the doctor's office? Would you choose to spend your life that way when there is a life of adventure, when there is a life out in the world, when there is a life that is uh, indescribable for the people of God? Because we have been given for the life of the world. You see, this understanding that we're blessed, that we're taken, we're blessed, we're broken, and we're given for the life of the world leads us into a life of radical compassion. When we realize these things, we know that the world that is in such deep need needs us. Because we are the bearers of the good news. We are the proclaimers of the kingdom of God. Millions of people need our compassion. Millions have never heard of Jesus. In any American community today, 60 to 80% of the population is unchurched. People are in physical, emotional, and spiritual need all over this sin-sick world. And Jesus needs people like Midland Reformed Church to do His will. He has taken them. He has blessed them. He has broken them. He is giving them for the life of the world. That's what this table is all about. This is not a place for us to come and rest with just us. Jesus and me, and baby makes three, right? Us four and no more, right? And sometimes we act like that. We think this is our table. This is our table in that we have been given this table to give it away to the rest of the world. This table has no end of length. And we are to invite people to the feast of the Master. People of God, you have been chosen. You have been blessed. You have been broken, as have I. And you are being given for the life of the world. As we come to the table today, Realize that there is an open invitation to all who believe. If you trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, you are welcome at this table. If you are ready to trust in Jesus Christ, you are welcome at this table. If you are not quite sure, you're not quite settled, or you're living in some sort of unrepaired relationship or difficulty, you may, want to, you may want to simply 
pray instead of coming to the table. But the Lord invites us all who believe and trust in him. Come, for all things are now ready. Beloved in the Lord, the supper which we're about to celebrate is a feast of remembrance and communion and hope. We come first of all to remember, remember Jesus Christ, his life for us, his incarnation among us, his death on the cross as a substitute, as a sacrifice for us and for our sins, his burial in the ground, his resurrection from the dead, his ascension into heaven, and his promise that he'll come again. When we come to the table, the Bible says, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we've come to remember. But this supper is not simply a memorial. It is an active participation. It is a feast of communion. We come to commune with this same Jesus Christ whom we remember. The Bible says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will bear much fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. And so we come to have communion with Christ and with one another. It's also a a supper of hope. It is a pledge It's a foretaste. It's a foreshadowing of that long table, that feast of love that we'll all sit down at when his kingdom is fully come. When we'll have faces that are unveiled. We'll know each other as we're fully known. And we'll behold him as the host of the supper. Let us pray. We lift up our hearts, Lord Jesus, to you. We know that you are seated at the right hand of the Father. And so we come to give you thanks and praise and glory. We sing together with all the choirs of heaven, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We join with the choirs of heaven now and say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Send your Holy Spirit upon us, we pray, that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless may be to us the communion of the body and blood of Christ. Lord, take this bread gathered from many hills into one loaf. Take this cup gathered from many vineyards into one cup. And gather us as you've gathered these things into your kingdom. Lord, we await you. We say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Amen.